Well, good morning again. Thank you to the group for singing this morning. And also thank you, Drew, for sharing in the devotional. I hope and trust that you're doing, that you're doing well these days, living in a, a would like to say, is a brief season as we're facing the unknown. You know, Drew talked about it a little bit, but as this virus started to, to sweep across our nation, along with it came some fear and une- uneasy conditions. We know stories. People started hoarding some strange items. A few, maybe a number of the shelves in the grocery stores were empty. Maybe some still are. I heard some had to shop around to get some, some needed items. And the question could arise, why do people seem to be in a, on the verge of panic? And there could be a, a number of answers to a question like that. But one reason, is it the fear of the unknown? Or is it a lack of faith? Or for some in our country... Is it life without faith in the Lord, which is a, a, a sad, sad place to be, not only through this time, but even throughout life in general? And if you think about it, we're not sure what's going to happen tomorrow. We're not sure what's going to be available in the stores. Are additional restrictions going to be put upon us tomorrow? And questions like that, and along with that, with those questions, we have doubt and fear creep in. And as I look at it, I like to say it's causing confusion. Uh, Drew mentioned people come to work and they have, you know, we have opinions. And that's the talk of the town right now. And, you know, some people say this, some people say that. And there is, there, there's a good bit of confusion. And I thought, you know, we are a people, maybe I'm talking just for myself, but when we see a problem, we like to fix it. You know, take care of it. Fix the issue. And, and move on with life. For example, this week I was notified about a water leak. Uh, water was dripping in the basement of a home, and after a, a few minutes, a small hole was located in a hose. This hose went from the drinking water system right up to the spigot at the ca- at the, in the kitchen, and there was a, ho- a hole in there. Mouse said, chewing on this hose. So a new hose was purchased, it was installed, the leak was gone, and this is how we like to roll, just get it done and move on. But it doesn't work that way with the virus. The virus is, if I'm saying it right, is out of our control. You know, something that's, that's out there, and we, we take protective measures not to get it. It's just out there, it seems like something's out there floating around, and we want to like stay away from it, and which is good. We, we, we don't want to... We don't want to get sick. But it's kind of like out of our control, and it tends to make people just a tad bit uneasy, wondering when or if life is going to return to normal. And I, just uh, a question or two, or three here, is God trying to get our attention? And when I say our, I could be talking Myerstown, we could be talking our nation. Is God trying to, te- is he trying to teach us something? I think we should always be willing and ready to learn, learn more and more. Is it a wake-up call for our nation, for the world? Possibly a time for revival, returning to or drawing closer to the Lord. I think we're aware of the state that our nation, our country is in, and I think we could 
that's something we could consider that time for some revival. On the other side, we could ask the question, do you think the Lord wants us to live in fear? And I think we all, have the, we all know the answer. It's definitely not. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And Jesus speaking here, and his words are remove doubt and fear, and they bring in a settled peace. And I trust that's where you are at this morning. But for the message this morning, we're going to look at a, uh, a group of men who were on a boat facing the unknown, thinking they're going to drown. But then they received a message of hope. And this story is a familiar story of the disciples on a ship in the midst of the stormy sea of Galilee. And the message title is Faith Through the Unknown. Faith through the unknown. And the three points for the message are, number one, Jesus knows about our every need. The second one, Jesus speaks words of comfort. And the third point, Jesus reaches out and saves. And taken from Matthew uh, 14. But what I would like, if you could take away from the message this morning, is this. No matter what you're facing... No matter how desperate your situation may be, even when you think that you're about to drown, remember the master is near. Jesus is, is by your side. He is close enough to reach out and pull you to safety. And think about this. He is able. He is willing. There's nothing he can Or cannot do. So may may we learn or be encouraged to continue to keep our ears open to his voice and walk in faith. So I got a a number of points to cover here yet, but if we forget everything else, let's just remember to keep our ears tuned to the master and walk in faith. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew 14, and we're going to read verses 22 through 33. So Matthew 14, verse 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out with fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand 
and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children. And many people consider this to be one of the greatest of Christ's miracles. But after he was done feeding them, he sent the disciples away in a ship, sent them away across the Sea of Galilee, and he dispersed the crowd which he had fed. And it's interesting to see his next move. Jesus headed up into a mountain to spend time alone with God. And think about our lives through this time. Uh, when facing trying times, and we could say that's where we are now, but that, that could be even after this COVID's gone, that, still, times like that will still come up. But when facing these trying times, who knows us better than our Heavenly Father? Then we could say, along with that, where could I go but to the Lord? Sometimes we try to fight through the difficulty in our own strength. And then we turn to God and we exhaust our resources. But here we see it. Jesus set a time in his schedule to communicate with God all alone. A couple questions. Is prayer time a priority in your life? And do we see the importance of taking time to pause and or stop, set aside our daily cares, and then thank God for the blessings, for his blessings, and talk to him about what we are facing? Is that something that we do and are, we do each and every day? And when we do that, rest assured, he will be listening. Our prayers will not be in vain. There's a quote from... Uh, man named Streeter, says, if Christ needed, if Christ himself needed to retire from time to time to the mountaintop to pray, lesser men need not be ashamed to acknowledge that necessity. And not that we often consider ourselves as lesser men, but in the eyes of Christ, that's who I am, a lesser man. We need not to be ashamed to acknowledge the necessity of prayer. Some people get up in the morning and coffee is a necessity. We won't go on that subject, but my question is, is prayer a necessity as well? Another quote, this is from Thomas, Thomas Watson. It says, prayer delights God's ear, melts his heart, opens his hand. God cannot deny a praying soul. So trust this is encouraging us to follow Christ's example and take time to prayer, to pray. And even though Jesus was alone praying, if you can picture the scene up on a mountain somewhere, even though he was far away, he knew about the situation his disciples were facing. And maybe you feel, at times you feel alone, or you come to the place in life where you feel no one cares, but rest assured, Jesus knows exactly what you're facing, and he cares for each and every one of us. Again, on this subject here, we see Jesus found a place alone to pray. And this is not saying it's the only way to pray. But at times, I do believe it's important to communicate with God alone. Just you and God. And what a wonderful time that will be. Prior to the virus, most of us were functioning with full schedules. 
uh, attacked time and time again by distraction after distraction. And it could be very possible that our fast-paced lifestyle will return. But it's during those times when it's difficult to remain strong and faithful to Christ unless we take time to get alone with God for prayer and to maintain our relationship with him. God wants us to go to him in prayer, and we need to go to him in prayer. And this is the way that God has chosen to teach us to trust. Why? Because we in ourselves are not self-sufficient. If, if we want uh, assurance of his presence, and if we're going to be faithful in doing what he has sent us to do, we need to spend time alone with God. So Jesus was alone praying. The disciples were on the sea, fighting the waves and uh, struggling with the wind. They were trying to get across the sea, but they were fighting a losing battle and quickly running out of energy. Verse 24 says that the ship was tossed with the waves. Tossed there means to be tossed about with a great force. And so the picture is, is clearly painted here. They were in a boat and a storm arose. When? While the disciples were working. And maybe add obediently working. They were doing exactly what Christ had told them to do. They were in the exact place that Christ said when he left, when they were on the shore, he said, gentlemen, get in a boat and go across. They were doing exactly what he said, but the storm still arose. Well, sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus, his prayer had been finished. He knew what the disciples were facing, so he walks on the surface of the water towards the boat. Why? Jesus was aware of their need, and he took the initiative to coming to their aid. So we can look at this and say, well, if Jesus knew, and like he knows everything about the disciples and about you and I this morning, if he knew everything, why did the disciples need to struggle through the storm? Was there a reason for this? And was it because Jesus needed to teach them to trust and obey his command no matter what conditions arose? Maybe that's the uh, lesson that I, we can learn as well. They were being obedient to his command. So they knew they could trust his, his care and his will. But maybe, maybe, too, you have asked the question, Lord, I'm doing exactly what I'm told to do. Why then this storm? Why am I going through this? And it's during those times, folks, that we need to maintain our faith. See what we can learn. And ask the question, is the Lord trying to teach us something? Let's not become bitter through these times, but help us become, actually, Lord, help us to become better people. Today, you may be facing a storm. It might be right now, but Jesus is close by. He's possibly coming to your aid as, as I speak here this morning. But wherever he is, he is keenly aware of what you are facing and is willing to assist. The will of God sometimes allows us to suffer difficulties. The rains descend, descend and the floods arise. The storms beat upon the righteous as well as on the wicked. The serving Christ, as I trust we're doing today, this morning, serving Christ does not guarantee freedom from stormy experiences in life. We, have not, we are not always promised a smooth sailing, but God's people are given the promise of a smooth landing. So through it all, press on and keep your faith.
The second point, we have Jesus speaks words of comfort. So join the disciples there in the boat, rowing through the waves and against a strong wind. And I picture them here being totally exhausted by now. Then out of the corner of their eye, they see someone walking towards a boat and walking on the water. Something uh, most likely they've never seen before. So their response was they were filled with fear and they thought that they were seeing a ghost. Try to sympathize, sympathize with them. Their lives were threatened. They were struggling for survival in the middle of this raging sea. And now they see what they consider to be a ghost approaching them and they cried out with fear. And all of a sudden, in the midst of their fear, a voice calls out. And it's a familiar voice. It's the voice of the master. Jesus speaks to them. He says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. So the next wave the disciples experienced was a wave of relief. It was Jesus coming to their aid. And his words of comfort were, be of good cheer. And how can you exchange that? Go that quickly from fearful to cheerful, but that's exactly what he was saying. He re- asking them to do. He removed their fear and placed it with word of cheers we see there. What did Jesus tell us in John 14, 18? He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Regardless where we are when troubled, Jesus has promised he's not going to allow us to fight through the storms alone. He says, I will be there for you. So what can we learn from this thus far? A number of things, but one here is we should not turn back when storms arise. Don't turn your back and run, no matter how terrible the trial. Remember, The parable of the sower in Matthew 13, verse 21 says, Yet he hath not root in himself, talk about the seeds here, but doeth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the world, by and by he is offended. And this person turned back and gave up. That's not what we're to do. We're going to maintain our faith through times of the unknown. And we could say, well, why should we continue on? Because Christ is able to take the trials of life and make opportunities out of them. He wants to make us better. And not saying we're bad, but he wants to make us better and better and better. So whatever he lets you go through, keep that in mind. Look for the opportunities. Trials, what do they do? Trials will give us experience in the life of faith. And not saying we're as, as we read how Peter is, not saying we're a bunch of people with little faith and doubters, but wherever we are at in our spiritual level, I'm sure there's room to grow. And maybe that Christ is telling us, is helping us to do that as well. The trials give us experience in the life of faith, helping us see our lack of strength and also helping us see our need for uh, relying on Jesus Christ. Trials help us, trials help us see how helpless uh, We are when caught in the greatest storms, but the presence of Christ can see us through those tough times. And what encouraging thought. His presence and words of of comfort will conquer our fear and replace it with hope and security. So what are storms? Do they always involve water? Not necessarily. Storms can be moments of sorrow, self-conflict, times of temptation, Maybe decision-making, a lot of us make big decisions, or any adverse circumstance. But rest assured, whatever we are going through, 
Christ is ever so near and ready to help those who call out to him. His presence is, is most assuring, comforting, and strengthening to the true disciple. Also, if you look at this account, it makes it clear that not every trial we face is caused by sin an individual committed. The disciples were in complete obedience here. But a trial could be sent our way to draw us ever yet near to the Lord and help us rely on him. He, says, he said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And that's where he is at today. When Jesus shows up on the scene, fear, worry, and doubt are going to flee. And think about the next time your situations tend uh, to cause your mind to, to worry or doubt. And call on the name of the Lord. Why? For he will be there. He will be there. Your, your peace will be restored. And end of this point here, just press on and be faithful. And that brings us to the third point, which is Jesus reaches out and saves. In verse 28, the scene shifts to Peter, along with the other disciples in the boat there. But we're talking about Peter here for a while. How do you think Peter was feeling? Well, I thought of a time uh, a number of years ago. I was in a boat on the Susquehanna River. Have you ever been to Long Level, Wrightsville, down there by the dam somewhere? And it was a warm afternoon, sitting there in the boat, uh, talking, completely unaware of what was going on, and also unaware that a storm was approaching. And I don't know who it was, but someone looked up the river, and we were quickly informed that we better head for the dock. And if I remember correctly, we had a number of miles, a few miles ago, and the waves, well, in the size boat that we had, the waves were quite large. So I kept the boat pointed, obviously, in the correct direction, and you had to throttle up, keep the front of your boat up, and hit the wave at the right angle, if, uh, especially if you wanted to stay on top of the water. And finally, after fighting the waves for a while, we finally reached the dock. Well, then, then the next problem arose. Uh, I had to stay with the boat. And somebody had to back the pickup and trailer in the water to load the boat. And there was no one with me on the boat that it was capable or felt comfortable doing that. Uh, we did, someone did run for the pickup. And someone else on shore noticed our dilemma and jumped in my pickup and, and backed it in. And the story ended uh, without any damage. But in the heat of the storm, at its worst, I think that each one in the boat that I was in would have preferred to exit the boat, walk to shore and walk to a safe place and put this storm behind us. And although I was not here uh, in Matthew 14 in the boat with Peter, I think this is a feeling that he had at this point. I need to get out of this boat. And he saw his chance. Lord, if, it, if that's really you, Lord, allow me to come to you walking the water. Lord, I want to be with you. I want to be right by your side. And a man in such a position as Peter was in wanted to be saved and delivered from danger. Now think about Jesus and Peter. Peter knew Jesus. He knew both about his power and his love. But Peter was not thinking in terms of miracles. His mind was too occupied for that. He was in a helpless situation and wanted to be delivered from, this, from the, the condition that he was in. And look at it from a different angle. Peter was not wanting to go to Jesus just because he loved him. Yes, Peter did love Jesus, but now his thoughts were on the power of Christ to save him. And Jesus was Peter's only hope for being saved from drowning here in the Sea of Galilee. 
The presence of Christ stirred Peter's hope. And Peter said, you know what? I'm aware that Jesus Christ can save me. There was no one else on the boat that could help Peter. Peter thought the vessel was going down. And where could he go but to the Lord? And you picture this scene in your mind. And what I see is a beautiful picture of a sinner seeing his need of a Savior and running to Jesus Christ. Every born-again believer, I believe, has come to this place in his life or her life where nothing else mattered other than dropping everything and running to Jesus for salvation. Put yourself back in that boat. Put yourself, and if you were given the opportunity, would Jesus come walking up? Put yourself there, and I think you'd say, you know what? Peter had made a wise move. And sometimes our friend Peter gets criticized for this account because Jesus says, oh, thou little faith. But in my studies, someone brought out that he was the only disciple who had enough of faith to even make an attempt to walk on the water. And maybe Matthew and, uh, and Mark and Luke and John, the others in there were just saying, well, not to get my feet wet, but Peter at least had enough of, of faith to get out of the boat. So I look at that, and you know, his faith is amazing. And I think as born-again believers, we can relate. We, too, have run to Jesus when we come at this point in our lives. So Peter asked the question, and in verse 29, uh, Jesus gives the answer. Jesus said to Peter, come. So Jesus answered Peter's request with permission. He said, come. You know, the word come is strong. It's not just merely giving Peter permission to come. It's like commanding Peter to walk. Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I look at that and I say, you know, when Jesus says comes, when Jesus says comes, blessings will follow. Blessings will follow. Familiar verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The invitation's given, and rest and comfort are promised. Let's go back and look. Let's go move on and look at our friend Peter here. He obeyed, got down out of the boat, and noticed the end of verse 29. And I think this is, yes, we get to the point where he started to sink, but maybe let's put a little more emphasis up here on verse 29, and that's where we see that Peter walked on the water. There's a number of miracles happening here, and here we see that Peter is walking on the water. He is passing over the turbulent waves of life. And at this point, uh, there's so many times you read the Gospels and you wish you could have been there. Maybe we can talk to Peter sometime. But at this point, I believe Peter was staring directly at Jesus. His eyes were just glued on Christ. Because I think he, more likely, he could have found it hard to believe what was actually happen, happening. But Peter was walking on the water and going to Jesus. Years ago, we were in Grenada, and uh, on Wednesday nights, they took, there was a rotation of the men in the church sharing Wednesday evening a topic. And Bill Cutane shared a Wednesday evening topic on these verses, and his title was, Why Drown When You Can Walk on Water? And you think about that title there, and it introduces the idea that the choice is ours. So Jesus was there, and I, I'm guessing a little bit here, probably less than 10 feet away by now. Then Peter took a number of successful steps on the water. Faith and focus were key. 
at this point, and Peter was tuned into both. And while the disciples were sitting there a couple feet away in the boat, watching and witnessing this miracle. And in life today, I believe it's the same for us. For we are serving a God who is stable, and God is unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. So I believe we too can walk over the stormy waves in life when our faith and our focus is steadfastly centered upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Did Peter do something that no one else can do? I don't believe. Did, is it a miracle? Absolutely. But why drown when we can walk on water? In verse 30, we see, this is, we see uh, a couple more things about Peter. Yes, we see he walked on water. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind. So Peter saw the wind. Remember I just said his, his eyes were glued steadfastly on Christ. Now we see something happen. He saw the wind. The next thing we say, we see he was afraid. Following that, it, the verse says he began to sink. Next thing he did, he cried out. And we can stop here. Go back to verse 29, where I repeat Peter was walking on water. We get here to verse 30, and something happened. The question is why? What happened? And it's simply, his faith faltered. You know, Peter saw Jesus. He saw his hope of being saved. Peter knew that Jesus cared for, cared and loved, and had the power to save him. And when his eyes were on Jesus, things were going well. But when he took his eyes off of Christ, he could see his current condition. The storm, that huge wave coming directly at him. It was at this point where his faith began to weaken and he started to sink. You know, the very storm he was facing was beginning to swallow him. And Jesus was a few feet away watching this scene unfold. Uh, Yes, we know Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. We know that about Christ. He knows our future. So Peter, back to him, he quickly realized what was happening. So I said, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to get wet. So he prepared to take the plunge and swim back to the boat, right? No, we hear it said, Peter, in verse 30, cried saying, Lord, save me. You know, in times of trial, let's not wait till we're in the, well, we shouldn't get to the state of panic, but Peter was basically there. Let's not wait until we're there, but take it to the Lord right away. Why? Well, we take our, our, our burdens to the Lord at his request. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he cares for you. Again, just words of comfort, and the Bible is full of them. Because Jesus has a desire to be close to you and I. He wants that relationship between you and I to be great. Jesus was close by at this point, and as a picture, as you're looking at there, he reaches out and he holds Peter to the surface of the water. And there we see a picture of salvation, just saving him from the water. And Jesus, we know he's, he's full of compassion. He didn't punish Peter and let him sink, but he recognizes human weakness and is willing to save even in times of limited faith. So don't ever come to the point where he says, well, he can't save me enough of faith. Jesus is there and he loves us. You know, what a mighty God we serve, full of mercy and compassion, willing to reach out when people call on him. Do we ever, like Peter, uh, doubt the power of God? thinking, you know, his problem is just simply too big for me to handle, too big for him to handle. But so allow 
this season that you're in, that you're facing, to be a time of strengthening your faith. Again, not saying that we're weak in the faith, but we have room to grow. Allow this time to be a time of strengthening your faith, to becoming more and more dependent upon our God. And when we do this, it's not a sign of weakness. He doesn't look down and say, oh, he's kind of weak this morning. No, it's a time of worship. It's a time of thanking God that he is, is near and also thinking that we have a place where we can go to unload our burdens and then we can continue to walk in peace. And this is the will of God that we do exactly that. First Peter's cast your cares. He doesn't want us to get a big backpack at Walmart, pack it full of our problems and, and weight us down. No, just cast them upon him. That's why we were created. He never intended for us to plow through life blinded by the filth of the world but to take life one day at a time, calmly following his footsteps, allowing him to lead us on the path that he has for us. And in that, we will be blessed. The storms of life will cause our faith to increase. It doesn't make us sink. It helps our faith to increase. So we see uh, Peter and Jesus step back into the boat, and the storm was over. The wind was gone. And here we see that even the wind is powerless when confronted by Jesus. And the disciples understood more than ever before, and they acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God. And we just looked at a number of miracles that are listed here in these verses. And each one, what do they do? It clearly displays the power and the ability of our God. So whatever you're facing, you're thinking, well, I'm not sure about this. Just look at, take this, read these verses. Imagine Jesus walk on the water. Imagine Peter walk on the water. Imagine a storm, and Jesus just steps back into the boat, and the, the wind's gone. The waves go back to, the, the water turns back to like a, just a clear sheet of glass. Are these miracles? Absolutely. But he's there. Is Jesus different in Peter's day than it was in, he is today? No, he's the same. Does he care for you and I? Absolutely. May we just take it all to him. His love is truly amazing. And when our faith is in him and our focus is on him, we have nothing to fear. And we too will be able to walk through on water through the storms of life. Fear and doubt during the unknown displays a lack of faith. So that's not, we don't want to be there. May we be, but may we be strong in the faith, face life one day at a time with the Lord by our side. Let's pause for a, a word of prayer. Lord, we just come before you here today. Say thank you, God, for your rich blessings. And thank you for your strength and your abilities and your power and your love and your plan of salvation. We truly are serving a mighty God. And I pray that whatever, regardless of what we are facing today, I just pray, Lord, you help us to maintain our faith. Help us to have faith through the times of the unknown. And although there may be some things that we're facing that are unknown, we are serving a God who knows everything. May that be our, where we get our peace and our comfort. Thank you for bringing us through life thus far. We recognize that you will not let us down now. Help us, Lord, to be servants of yours and serving you and giving you our everything and our all. In the name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving.
Amen.